for Pastor Vic that I know Christ for who he is now. Um, basically, I came to the program after I got married at 17, um, made some bad decisions, ruined a career that I should have kept for a long time, and uh, started a divorce. And when a divorce happened, it, uh, I had stopped using for a little while, but as soon as it happened, it was over. Um, life as I knew it had gone downhill. And the person, the only thing that I had known that brought me peace was gone. And I became homeless and got down to the point where one day I went to a cross after swearing that God was never going to be part of my life because he was, as I knew, abusive. Uh, got to a cross and said, I give up. I got, I've got nothing. I can't do this anymore. I've got no fight left. And when I got there, I, uh, he found me. He, he met me right where I was at. Never, never missed a tick, never missed any of it. He was, he was there. Um, I got called into a program out of Virginia and uh, didn't thought that I was, going, I was done, pick up the wheel again, started driving. And he said, nope, you're not taking that. And I got sent from there to up here. Uh, and when I came here, because of what happened there, I'm not, I wasn't that guy that was willing to take pride for what I did. I was saying, hey, this is on them. This is God's fault. This isn't on, this isn't on me. So when I got here, I was, you got to prove to me that God's real. After a four-hour conversation with this guy, <laughs> I came out the room like, ah, oh, man. All right, God, here you go. Um, it worked for a while. And then I took the wheel again, left the program, decided I was going to go do my own thing, made a lot of bad decisions in the local area. And um, just one day came, and I, I found myself in the same position I was in before and called this guy every time. I knew who to call. Pastor Vic's there. When, when, when you need something, the real dad's going to be there for you. And uh, so I called Pastor Vic, and he said, if you're really ready to do this, get a plane ticket. I was in Oklahoma. And he said, get a plane ticket, let's go. So he came up here, and this time, let me tell you something, God is moving. Amen. There is a work being done in my life. There's being a work being done in all the men I see around me, all the women I see. It's a beautiful thing what God can do when you finally just say, I've had enough. Uh, and that's, that's me. So the uh, scripture I stand on is uh, John 16, is what we're going to go with for the day. Uh, and it says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I've overcome the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I could sit down now. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Um, you know, to have the privilege and the opportunity to be able to share and, and watch as God ministers to the lives that are broken, that the world would say are throwaways and castaways and watch the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus move in a life. Um, I never get tired of listening to testimony. Uh, and, and I just, before we get into the word, just want to share a couple of things with you. Number one, August 8th. Put that date on your calendar. It is a Monday. Uh, we have our annual golf tournament. The annual Teen Challenge golf tournament for all of you golfers out in Freehold at Thunderheart. 
Um, you can sign up today if you would like after service at the promo table in the back. There'll be a couple of guys back there. Also, whatever is back there on that table, um, all of that stuff has been created by a Teen Challenge student. And so um, we're thankful that God takes the unredeemable, according to the world, and he redeems us. And uh, the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge, for those of you who don't know who we are and what God has called us to do, uh, we are a ministry, a discipleship ministry for people who find themselves under the bondage of the sin of addiction. And yes, it's not a disease. The scripture calls it sin. And so God has placed us in a place, uh, and some of you might remember or have heard of the name David Wilkerson, uh, a young man in 1958 who heard the call of God upon his life to go to Manhattan to help Seven young men who were in trial for murder, they murdered a polio victim. And when he got to the court uh, and announced who he was, the judge kicked him out of court. He went home. He was depressed. He felt as if he had failed in the commission and the call of God upon his life. David Wilkerson was a fourth-generation preacher. He had a conversation with his grandfather, and his grandfather said, No, you did not fail. You need to go back to the streets of New York City and fulfill that for which God had called you to. And he was obedient to the call of God. And through circumstances, and some of you who might have heard of the book and the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade, um, he encountered the largest Puerto Rican gang in Brooklyn at that time, which is a gang called the Mau Mau's. And the sergeant at arms of that gang was a young man named Nicky Cruz. And through encounters with Nicky Cruz, God saved Nicky. And David and Nicky began to go back to the gangs and to pull men off of the streets and bear witness of the gospel. And that was the foundation of the ministry. They bought a house, 416 Clinton Avenue, which is in Clinton Hills, Brooklyn, that is still the home of the Adult and Teen Challenge Brooklyn Men's Home today. Um, it is under construction right now as we speak. Uh, when they finish construction, it's going to be a beautiful 40-bed men's facility. Um, the initial vision for that house was to reach out to young men and women in Bible college who had a burden for evangelism, street evangelism. And so they began to do that. But what happened is as they began to bear witness, they found out that many of the people that they were ministering to were drug addicts, heroin addicts. And so they began to pull them off of the street and bring them into the home. <clears throat> and that is the birth of, birth of the ministry. And, of course, we represent Albany Adult and Teen Challenge, the Capital District, and beyond. As you know, Zach's, you heard Zach's from Virginia, Cheryl's from Pennsylvania. And so God uses us to be able to minister to those who find themselves in that place. And we are a discipleship ministry. It's all about the gospel. 
And so, um, and just to make you aware, I'm not just the director of the program. I've been serving in this ministry now for the past 17 years. I walked in the doors of Adult and Teen Challenge Long Island on February 21st, 2005, after struggling with a 13-year crack cocaine addiction. And God liberated me, set me free, not just from drugs and alcohol, but from pornography, from nicotine, from so many things. And the journey continues. Amen. Because how many of us are aware that the journey never stops until we go home? There's always a revelation of sin and things that God wants to deal with in order to purify us, to make us more like Jesus. And so that's God's goal for each and every one of us is to conform us in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult that may be for us, but at the end, the manifestation of what God desires to do I heard you say it, Pastor Matt. God wants to use you to bring heaven to earth. That's God's purpose for our lives. It's to glorify his name. So let's get to our text. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones or whatever you're using you at home, please turn with me to the book of Judges chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 11 and 12. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. We stand in reverence of the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so thus declares the word of the living God. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the terebinth at Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon <coughs> excuse me, was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Father, I'm just so grateful and thankful to and for you for this brief moment of time. And Lord, once again, I ask you to set me aside and that you would speak with clarity, truth to the hearts of your people. God, I'm praying that you would do something in our hearts this morning that only you can do, which is change the disposition of our hearts. God, I'm believing that when we leave this building, we will not be the same as when we entered it because of the power, the transformation power of the word of God and the spirit of the living God. And all God's people said, and amen, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so the title of my thought this morning is this, be, be used by God. Be used by God. So how many of us want to be used by God? I hope everybody's raising their hands out there and in here. And you need to know and understand that God's desire, God's purpose, God's plan is to use you in order to accomplish what he desires to do on this earth. And so when we look at the life of Gideon and the call of Gideon, what we can see is that God will powerfully use you in order to do what he desires to do. 
So we talked about a man named David Wilkerson. This was a man who was committed and submitted to the call of God upon his life. He had no idea what God was going to do in using him. He had no idea that the fruit of his labor would produce. You know, we are the largest drug and alcohol program in the world. Team Challenge. We are in over 120 countries. There are some 38,000 beds worldwide that represent the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge. And that doesn't count graduates of the program who started other ministries, but they're not called Teen Challenge. And this was all the fruit. This is the fruit of one man's obedience to the call of God upon his life. So when God calls you to something, even if you can't see it, even if you can't believe that it's something that you can do, you need to just be obedient and submit to the call. Because remember, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. It is in those seasons that the glory of God will be sure to be manifest. It's really easy to do something that you're accustomed to doing, but God is going to call you to do something that you feel ill-equipped to do because all the glory will go to God. And so when we look in Judges chapter 6 and the call, we see the angel of the Lord and he comes to Gideon. And what is Gideon doing? He's beating out wheat in a wine press. And he's doing it to hide it from the Midianites. So if you just took a minute and the threshing of wheat, when they used to thresh wheat, the purpose of that was to separate the chaff from the seed so that they can gather the seed and process that for bread or whatever they were going to process it for. So they would throw it up in the air with the wind blowing and that would separate the seed from the chaff. This was usually done in a wide open space. But now we see Gideon in a wine press, which would have been more condensed, would have been a smaller space. So he's trying to accomplish something in his own strength. I know this doesn't happen to you, but I know when I try to accomplish something in my own strength, it makes it much more difficult than if I would just submit and yield it to God and say, God, do with me what you will. And so why was he doing that? Why was he in a place where he was trying to accomplish something in a place that wasn't established for that? Well, the scripture tells us because he was afraid. He was afraid of the Midianites. And how many of us know that fear can take us to places and cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do? And so what we need to do, we need to know. See, in the ministry of Teen Challenge, this happens all the time, right? We see sins of omission. And, and so we know what that is. That is me not doing something that I'm supposed to do. Right, So if I see my brother in a fault instead of fulfilling the scripture, I'm going to turn my head and I'm gonna, just going to walk by that thing because I don't want to get involved 
Number one, I don't like the confrontation. I don't want to be put in a conflict situation. Number two is because in that situation, what I'm saying is it's more important for me that you like me than God likes me. Fear and insecurity. But one good thing that we can see and we can know that, and I'm grateful for this, that in spite of me, God met me right where I was at. He, he did that with Gideon. See, the scripture says, even though he was afraid, the Lord said, you're a mighty man of valor. And how many of us would like to think of ourselves that if the Lord spoke directly to us, that we would just fall in humble submission to the word of God? I would like to think that I would do that. But the reality is when I sit down and I, I'd probably be more like Gideon. Because here he is, he's having this conversation with the angel of the Lord. And the first thing that he says is, how can I do that? Same thing that Moses did, right? When the Lord said, I'm going to use you to deliver the nation of, you're going to go speak to Pharaoh. Moses' response was, listen, I can't do that. I, I don't know how to talk. You got to get somebody else. Gideon is saying the same thing. Look at me. I'm of the smallest tribe, and I'm the least of my father's house. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> and I know how that is. Ten and a half years ago, I was sent to Albany. I'll never forget the day. It was after church. My pastor came up to me. He said, hey, listen, we haven't found a director for Albany. And we were thinking, maybe you might want to stand in that position. I looked him in the eye. I said, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> so I'm a kid who grew up on Long Island. And I had a pretty good job serving in the ministry of Long Island Teen Challenge. So I was only supposed to come up here for six weeks. And that was ten and a half years ago. So I understand exactly where Gideon was at. And he's looking at his circumstance. And because he's looking at his circumstance, instead of looking at God, all he can see is an obstacle towards what God has called him to do. And so, saints, what we need to do is we really need to see the opportunity, not the obstacle. Because when you are facing a hard time, that is the perfect opportunity for God to glorify himself in your life. Move beyond the insecurities. Move beyond the doubt. And God is so faithful. When, again, when we look at Gideon, he says these things. God continues to minister to him. And God is not looking at Gideon and what he doesn't have. What God is doing is he's looking at what he has deposited in Gideon and that he's going to bring out through this circumstance. See, when you look at hardship, when you look at trial, when you look at tribulation, those are the times in your life where God is drawing out of you those things that he has placed within you. 
It's kind of like this morning, I'm sure, well, I hope this morning everybody went to the bathroom and they brushed their teeth. Well, when you got to the bathroom and you picked up the tube of toothpaste, you didn't just hold it in your hands and the toothpaste came out of the tube. In order for the toothpaste to come out of the tube, you had to apply pressure. So God knows because we're creatures of comfort. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. Because my, my flesh is always driven to comfort and to ease. It, it's, oh, the flesh always looks for the path of least resistance. But the spirit, when we're led by the spirit, it is going to take us into those situations. And if we will just be obedient to the word of God. You will find out. You might come out with some scars and some bruises, but you will overcome. And so God begins to show Gideon his desire for him. And when you look in chapter 7, he calls him to this place, right? You had 32,000 men. And God says, listen, I'm going to take you to confront your enemy. He said, but first... You're going to get rid of 22,000 of these guys. And then he tells them, hey, listen, I'm going to take you to this brook. And what you're going to do is you're going to look for the guys who lap the water. And so out of that 10,000, we know the scripture says that there were 300. And so when you read through that, you could see the description of the Midianite army and how God defines it. He says that there were men like the sands of the sea. They had camels that couldn't be counted. God is just sharing with us the vast extent of the army that they were confronting. And what does that mean for us? We need to know that the enemy is real. And just like God has a plan for your life, so does he. So we need to learn to trust and rely upon God in the hard times. But you know what? I've learned over the years, and I'm sure, Pastor Matt, you will agree with me. I need to learn to trust God even more in the good times. Because it's in the good times that I can get complacent, that I can take God for granted. Those are the times we, we know when we look at the nation of Israel, it was the generation that didn't know the struggle that strayed from him. And so we need to be reminded. That's why I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. I need to re be reminded that this is a work that Christ has done so that when the enemy comes, just like the 300 men with Gideon. I, I mean, it didn't make sense, right? You Just imagine God's calling you to fight with a, an army with 300 guys, this vast army, but he's not telling you to take any swords or anything. He tells you to take torches and clay pots and trumpets. <laughs> but that's how God works. 
He's going to make sure that we have a clear understanding that we serve a God who is more than able to defeat any enemy that confronts us if we will just be obedient to the will and the call of God that rests upon our lives. And so he sees that these men go, they split up in three, hundred, hundred, hundred. They blow their trumpets, they break their, their, their flasks. And then the next thing you know, the enemies are at each other. And so he sees the power of God that is evident. And how many of us are grateful, testimony of remembering where God brought you from and what he's doing in using you in order to impact the life of another. See, God didn't save you just so that you could go to heaven. God saved you to bring heaven to earth. And how we do that is by fulfilling the great commission, making disciples. See, we, we, we are not called to, Pastor Matt is not called to make the this is not a place to make disciples. He ministers to you to encourage you and build you up to send you out. Because the church was never intended to be a place for non-believers. The church is a place for believers to have fellowship and to engage with one another and to encourage one another in the faith in Christ to go out into the marketplace so whatever your sphere of influence is, whether it's school or work or home, we're called to make disciples. And so we thank God for his love. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy and the revelation of who he is in your life. He is the Savior, not I. And one thing that I am sure of is that anything that you find exciting, you're willing to tell everybody about that in your life. Any baseball fans in the house, football fans, you, you, you find people who, who like your team and, and you talk about that. You, you find people who have similar interests and you talk about those interests. Well, as believers in Christ, our predominant and primary interest should be to glorify Christ in all that we do Amen. and tell everybody about it. So when we consider and we sit before him and commune with him according to his word and look at the love, the grace, the mercy, the power that God has granted in your life, man, that should make us want to rejoice and tell everyone. And just like that last song that the worship team did, overwhelming power of God. And Pastor Matt, you said it, Romans 5, 8. 
that God demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners. And I like to expand that. While I hated him, while I rejected him, while I wanted to kill him, God loved me and gave his son for me. When we stop to consider what Christ has done, what the Father in his perfect plan of redemption in sending Jesus Christ as our substitute to take upon himself the wrath of God that I deserve, but that he took that upon himself. And God says things like this, Romans chapter 8, 35, 37, and 39, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad I am. It doesn't matter how much failure I have because my relationship with the Father is dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. And so when we consider that and know that, that God wants to use us, how can we prepare to be useful for him? Number one, know that God has come to pursue you. We really got to know, listen, I heard and I'm sure you've heard people say, yeah, I found Jesus. Listen, Jesus was never lost. He always knew who he was. And Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we, when we can get to the realization and the recognition that, man, and I know for me, the way I lived life, man, I was hopelessly lost. But God. And so in verse 12, chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It is all according to the timing of God when God chooses to reveal himself to you. Remember the encounter with Peter and Jesus. Whom do you say that I am? Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. It's at the appointed time when we come to the end of ourselves. As the psalmist said, when we come to wit's end, and then I cried out unto the Lord. God uses our circumstances and all that he does. Remember this, Genesis 3, 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And of course, we know that God didn't know where he was, but God was giving him an opportunity to see if he knew where he was. God pursues us. It's what differentiates Christianity from every 
other major world religion. Judeo-Christianity starts with God and his pursuit of humanity. There's nothing that I can do that would merit anything before God. It is all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the sacrifice that the Father found acceptable. Number two, saints, we need to trust him. And the Lord said to him, speaking to Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike the Midianites as one man. When did the Lord speak to your heart? Remember that day that the gospel was presented to you and you actually opened your heart. Remember that day. I know for me, it was, there were two women of God in my life, my mother and my grandmother who prayed for me, who, who, who spoke truth in my life, over my life. I rejected it, rejected it, rejected it. But there was one day, one day when my heart was broken, one day when the message of the gospel was presented, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to learn to trust God and know that the circumstances that we find ourselves in, God uses those as opportunities for us to learn to trust him. So the harder the situation, and I know, you know, I've talked to Matt. I just came out of a season where God has taken me to a place where it's a new level of trust because it was a really hard season. And when I look back at my mother and my grandmother, I know they prayed for me from the time I was in the womb. And it was 35 years before they began to see any type of fruit of their labor. So I say for parents, grandparents, never stop praying. Number three, and lastly, we need to identify the Midianites in our life. God brings us to a place and the things, because we, we, we all have fears. Because for the person who says they're not afraid of anything, I'm here to tell you, you're lying to yourself. God is going to use circumstance to confront the fear that's in you. But the thing about God is when he does that, then he empowers us to confront and move beyond. When I came into the ministry, I, I remember I used to tell myself those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. And then when I really began and God began the sanctifying work in my life, I found out that I was afraid of everything. but he began to allow me to confront those things and walk through them. We can't go around them. We can't go over them. We can't go under them. We have to go through them. And God walks with us. 
you will allow God to take you to that place. And for some of you, it may be really discouraging or a place of of disappointment or, or a place of resentment, whatever it is. We're not called to thresh wheat in a wine press. We are called to glorify God. And so know this. There are things that are in you that you're not aware of that God has deposited within you. And he's going to use your circumstances in order to draw that out of you. You might look at it as a tall obstacle, something that you can't get around. My encouragement to you today is look at it as an opportunity. Remember 2 Kings chapter 5, Elisha and his armor bearer. And there was an army surrounding them coming after Elijah, but Elijah was sitting back. He wasn't worried, and the armor bearer was like, hey, listen, we got to do something. And Elisha just prayed, Lord, open his eyes. We need to know as the people of God that the Lord fights for us. We have only to be at peace. No matter what circumstance or situation that you find yourself in, God has a plan for it. And it's to show you the work that he is doing in you. He wants to use us to expand the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is expanded one soul at a time. And so you may not find yourself in an auditorium where you have thousands of people listening to you. But it may be that person on your job that God desires for you to speak to to share the hope of the gospel with so that his name would be glorified and that a soul would be one for the sake of the kingdom of God. It is the power of the spirit of God that dwells in you that will allow you to accomplish all that God has set before you. It's not about me. It's not about you. This is all How about Jesus Christ? And so if we can move beyond our own selves and we can look at the reality for that which God has called us to, which is to bear witness of him to a lost and a broken world, then you will be able to say, man, I've been used by God. Thank you, Pastor Vic. How touched I was to just sit under your teaching and, and to uh, worship with you guys.